Ladies and gentlemen, Media Camp is back, and today I have Sumit Bose joining me as a guest. He spent more than 50 years on BBC as a reporter and presenter. He's also a founder of Net Zero Project, which we'll ask him more about in an interview. And he's an editor and co-founder of Energy Live News. Sumit, thank you for agreeing to do this and welcome to the show. Very nice to be here, Snaggy. Uh, well, first of all, uh, let's start with probably the biggest thing is, you know, this, there's this Peter Thiel kind of um, question or not even a question is the way that he phrases his early career. He wanted to be in banking, I think, and he said he kind of described this whole scenario. It looked like everybody on outside wanted to get into that bank, but whoever worked inside wanted to get out. And it. I think you have a similar concept. Is it similar on, on the media world? Oh, yes. Now, well, um, you're a very young man, Sergei, as we've established. So I've yes. been doing journalism longer than you've been alive. And that's tragically bad. So, yeah, I, I wanted to be a journalist desperately in my early, well, yeah, like 20, 21, I think. Uh, I became a journalist. And then um, as you go through it, you realize, uh, am I allowed to swear on your podcast? I want to be very clear. 100%. Careful. It's uh, well, all our... Good. That's what I like to say, because if you really want to be in media, you realise it's fucking shit. Okay. <laughs> so the, you go through this, it's a wave, right? It's a crest. So you start off very keen and you're climbing up there and going, this is great. It's brilliant. Best thing I've ever done. And then you, get, you hit this sort of midpoint. You're thinking, that's okay. Then, and then you hit this trough of despair as you get older and you think, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> And then you sort of come out the other side and you do something else. So um, my career is one of those that uh, many people would have had who are of my generation. So I'm, I'm 53, so I started in 89. And we didn't have any of the things you've got now. We couldn't do what we're doing right now. It's impossible. You know, to, to speak to someone right. in another country would have been a satellite feed that costs, you know, $400 a, an hour or something like that. Yeah, fortune. So um newspapers is where I started, which is where most journalists started. And we only had newspapers, TV and radio, and they were the three things. And, um, you know, my career started in local newspapers in, in England. And then I went to what we call the national press here, which is a uh, bigger title. So, you know, papers that people may have heard of things like the Times, Telegraph, Daily Mail, right. a bit like, you know, obviously mm -hmm. in, in America, there are plenty of big dailies. And then I sort of fell into TV, did 15 years, as you say, at the BBC. And then I left 15 years ago now, 16 years ago, to start my own uh, path. And I did some freelancing and then media and then created my own companies, which is where I am today. And, um, you know, all joking aside, it's a brilliant career. But I would just say that you, you've got to be in it because you want to be doing it. If you want to be famous, then don't do it. It's garbage. Mm. If you want to be rich, don't do it. Because that's also garbage. Is this, the, is this uh, the biggest misconception? Yeah, it's a bit a massive misconception. I think now, um, because of what what people think being a presenter is, anyone thinks they can just go on YouTube and you're suddenly presenting. Well, that's fine. You can do, you know, hey, look at me playing FIFA or, you know, <laughs> showing off showing off my massive six pack of abs, obviously, <laughs> which I won't do for you, Sergey. But um, presenting is okay. a different thing. You know, journalism is a different thing. So. I, I can't, I, you know, people have asked me, how did you become a TV presenter? And I was for many years. I don't know. I, 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 didn't, I didn't set out to be one. So I've never had that thing about, I want to be this. All I wanted to do was write. And, and it sort of, my career fell into different paths. But I, I'm very gra grateful that I learned the disciplines of doing it 
which I think is where people try now to skip. They want to be known and famous, but they haven't done the discipline of learning to be a journalist, a presenter. And I think that's a different skill set. Um, you're familiar with Stephen Pressfield. You probably read some of his books. Oh, yeah, I've heard the name. Well, I haven't read anything. Yeah. Uh, War of Art. And uh, he has this analogy, which I think you, you refer to. He says, uh, I think he has like eight or nine categories of, uh, he talks about it from a writer's perspective, like you want to be a writer. And he talks about, well, there's eight or nine reasons of why you want to be one. And there's fame and there's like money and everything. Yeah. And yeah. he says, if you're, if you're not in a state of being totally committed, and that's the only reason you do it, close the book, just don't read more. Just stop. Stop it. Stop what you're doing. Yeah, I would agree with that. Definitely. You see, I mean, um, I uh, if I tell the story of my first job, it, it, people would just go, this is ridiculous. So uh, I left uh, university uh, in 89, having done a degree in microbiology. Because this is wow. the other thing that is not, not great, Sergey, for your audience. I cannot fucking stand media degrees. I would never hire anyone who's got a media degree. The only degrees I think yeah. are good are people who are doing practical courses. So if you're filming or editing, that I think that's great. But if someone says, oh, I've done a journalism degree, their CV goes in the bin. I just don't well, think that's that's right. Well, and and I, I've, uh, so I've, I've done couple of degrees. I've done three degrees and one of them was journalism, wow. which actually I, I and I, I it's kind of funny because I could really just offended you instantly. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. I, I, I done it part time and I just done it to right. kind of have it. It's more of a check mark. Yeah. But I, I could relate to what you said. Well, why? Why media is not a uh, because I, I just think that, you know, I've always said it. I've had people who've had degrees in, you know, history or English or art or something completely, completely different, or people without degrees as well. You don't have to be educated. There's a big misconception that journalism is a profession. Um, I don't know what your definition is, but it's a def definition I use. A profession is something you need a professional qualification for. You don't to be a journalist, right? Yeah. You don't have to, you just have to, it's a trade, okay? The same as learning to put bricks right. up or paint a wall, right? And so, for me, journalism is a trade you do by by doing, and and I'm not saying that ever, you know I even did one a one year course in what we have in the UK called NCTJ, which is a journalism qualification. And there are certain parts that I think you could do, but frankly, you can do them in six weeks or remote study. You need to learn some law. You need to learn uh, how to do uh, some stuff around kind of you know process and. Uh, kind of knowing how systems work, things like government works, all of that politics. But the vast majority of what you do should be done by writing stories from older experienced journalists. And I was very lucky that at the time I joined newspapers, mm -hmm. there were a lot of people with silver hair. And you go into a newsroom now, you probably won't find that. Um, you know, there's a thing that you've got to be young and trendy and that's where it's at. I learned far more from older people than I ever did from my peers when I was starting. So. I think what we have now is a very different scenario to the scenario I grew up in. It's, you know, and I'm not saying that people who come through the journalism side of school and aren't, aren't going to be good journalists. I'm sure they probably will be, but for me, I think there's a way of learning, which I think was very beneficial for me, which was learning from other people and doing the job. And then the more you do the job, the more mistakes you make, and then that's how you learn. And that's how, you know, I made plenty. <laughs> Still do. Uh, uh, we had, um, I think um, 
uh, as I was doing my journalism degree on, in a third year, we had this practical um, assignment. Uh, they turn on the camera, they fire up the camera, and for the first time you sit down and you have to read, you know, just read a news, read like a piece of news. And every single person stuttered like crazy. They couldn't say two words couldn't mm. there were only one mm. guy who was like 40 and he was actually working on a on an actual tv channel he just needed a needed a certificate he could do it nobody else could <laughs> which was kind of um, interesting to him in a way that like the practice is to do it there's there isn't the book uh for for journalism no there isn't and then you know i you know when i first moved from you know writing to then i moved to tv and then I did radio as well. They're all different disciplines. And now you call them video and podcasting, but they're the same things. And, you know, we have three things now, which is online, podcast and video. And they are in old school translation, newspapers, radio and TV. And, and they had specific disciplines, which I think, sadly, which is why it's hard for people, because you think you can engage someone. It's a, it's a particular skill to engage right. and it's a particular skill to deliver um and it isn't easy to talk to a camera and it isn't easy to to do a radio show and so but now because technology is allowed it which is great you know i'm, I'm glad that it's so affordable that everyone can have a go but you kind of learn how to do the discipline and i think that's where people don't want to spend the time doing that now yeah, it's it's uh it's this classic dilemma of when you have give people the distribution engine, the amount of junk increases so much. Where uh, that for the user, it's like, how do you actually create an algorithm to filter through all of that crap that you actually find something that you don't abandon the platform? Oh, absolutely, and and you know, and that's where you know, I look at um, where you've got this clash between what was called mainstream media, whatever media, and then the new media that kind of guerrilla media and there's lots of good things in what people do you know when when a sadly when a big disaster happens there's no journalists there it's people with mobile phones they are citizen journalists and they cover things in a way that we would never be able to allow to be covered but there's the unregulated world which is actually you could say a very good way of of showing it but it comes without discipline so you see things that you shouldn't see that are put on twitter and other social media channels. There's no cutoff, there's no balance that comes with the journalistic training. And I think that is a worrying thing because also you now have, you know, younger people live in echo chambers where they only watch the news that they agree with. They only hear voices they agree with. And if they don't hear, if they don't agree with something, they shout them down. And, and I think that's a terrible, terrible world we live in there because that's not the way to do it. And journalism always teaches you, and I teach my you know the mm -hmm. team that work for me you know i don't give a fuck what your politics are when you come in here you're neutral right you report yeah. both sides of the story and then you let the reader make up their mind we have lost that a lot in journalism now where it's literally particularly out here in north america it's very much you i'm right wing believe my right wing views i'm left wing believe my right wing views yeah We've it's like going as well go on fox go on cnn like oh. yeah yeah exactly <laughs> it's like can, just give us what it used to be give you the facts and let you decide and you know maybe i'm i'm, I'm a dying breed but that's what i think should be the way it's done so you were um working with old school guys in early 90s yes. uh what yep. was something you've learned from them uh, that <laughs> is um missing uh, objectivity probably Ooh. will be one 
But I'm yes. curious, like, what were some of those areas that are? Um, um, okay, important? I mean, some of the things, you know, I could tell you some stories that would make your ears curl, but I, I won't <laughs> go into that now. It's a very, it's a, it was a very different time. Um, but I think the things that you learned were, uh, number one, check your facts, you know, accuracy, spelling, facts, grammar, all these things. Now there's a rush to get it out. And, you know, the, and that's because of the way the world is with, you know, you can have a demand for news constantly. So you, people feel they have to satisfy that by going, I saw this, this has happened. And how many times do you see stories that break that are not really stories? You know, oh yeah, there's been a mass shooting, hasn't there? Right, loads of it, it's a terrorist attack, it's not. You know, there's all these things that just get, because it's, it's that instant, I'm gonna say it, I'm not gonna think it. So what did I learn? I learned that you keep your mouth shut. That's the most important lesson. So if you're a budding journalist, I would say to you this, shut your mouth. <laughs> That's good advice. Use your ears. And what people do is they have a list of questions. Don't have a list of questions because the whole point is you're supposed to get from the interviewee what you want, but they will tell you what you want. You have to listen. So I learned to listen because I used to go, oh, I've got my question. And then my next question, have I listened to a word they said? No. What I've done is I've, I've, I've asked my question, they've some, said something, and I've moved on to my next. So listen, number one. Number two, always be accurate. No point just running something you don't think is right. Number three, check your facts around the accuracy. So I would say, you see something, it comes from a press release or something, and you know, run, younger reporters go, we'll run that. Have you checked that they got it right? Where was the original source? And all these things take time, okay? And these are part of the things that people don't want to do. But, you know, particularly right now with, the, you know, I cover the net zero and, and climate. So, you know, yeah. futurenetzero.com and our site, we cover so much stuff around it. And we get loads of emails from pressure groups. And if you ran the stories there, you'd get sued because they make claims and counterclaims that they cannot justify. And it's not that I, you don't want to hear that voice, but you've got to be accurate. And that, I learned, was very important. And I think the final thing you learn is basically less is more. You know, deliver it in the fewest words possible or the, the, the least time so that everyone understands. There's no point being the, as we call it in England, the dog's bollocks, right? And you have a different <laughs> word for it probably in America. But anyway, yeah. the dog's bollocks is, is, is someone who thinks they're really great. Right. by using very long words and torturous sentences. If only 5% of your audience understands it, you should be able to talk to a, you know, uh, a, a president and a janitor the same way. You should be able to get the same message across. So I, I also learned that. I think that is one of the most important things is that if you communicate, that's basically what we do as journalists, we tell stories. If you're telling it just to your own peers or being smug, then you're not being a journalist. If you can tell it so that everyone understands the concept, then you've done the thing that you should do, which is, in very simple words, pass on the message. That's all we do. Right. What is the, Sumit, what's the difference between you have a good journalist, you have a maybe a good host, and you have a great mm -hmm. one? Yes. How do you, what do you see the difference between the two? Uh, journalists cannot all be hosts. It's that's a right. very, very, that, it's a very tricky thing. I've met some brilliant journalists who are just hopeless as being presenters and hosts. 
And there are some people who I probably fall into that category are quite good presenters, but pretty crap journalists. So it's, you know, I was never sort of a superstar journalist. I sort of did all right. But I think um, you've got to be able to do something very different when you're a host. So you get some journalists, for example, people who are working on, you know, long form documentaries or people who are doing investigations who are very good at finding the facts of it. But perhaps they can't convey it properly which is why in television you have producers and you have presenters, because the producers find the story, they set it up, they create it, but the presenter can present it so the audience understands. And some people can do both, you know, i will probably just say I just about tick boxes on both, but some people can't. And it's again, it's about how you come across and that you can't understand. I was very lucky that I worked mm -hmm. in a time where I worked for TV, I worked for the BBC where it went out, you can see the audience reaction, you can stand. I suppose the way people do it now is to see if they get how many likes they get or whatever. Or really? the um, yeah, pretty much, probably. But I just think, you know, start to, to watch it back as well. You know, the first thing you should do is watch it back and think, God, do I look like a dick? You look <laughs> like a dick. If you look like a dick, then pretty much you must have been a dick. So people won't have taken it in. Um, you know, ask your friends, ask your family, does that make sense? And if you're starting out, that's what you should do because unless you are speaking in a way that you can convey a message that people understand, doesn't matter how glitzy your background is, it's lost on you. And you'll find, how many times have you watched a TED talk and some people are just utter garbage and some people are captivated? A lot, a lot, quite, quite, yeah. like, quite a lot of times. And, you, and, and they do work with producers or mm -hmm. speechwriters. Absolutely. But, just, but they like, it's just, they can't do it. No, which is why so many actors can do such brilliant speeches because they learn how to perform. Um, often politicians can do quite good speeches because they learn to perform. And I think there is an element of the, the, the host, if you want to be a host, you have to be a bit of an, a performer, which is different from being a journalist, which is, you know, I present the facts. Um, so I think it is a dis there is a difference in the disciplines. What uh, made you better at presenting versus- Just doing it doing it a bloody lot of times <laughs> no but i was gonna yeah, say that's I was, true but it's i was gonna true. say that, that like no question about that practice reps mm. um everybody could read i i like arnold schwarzenegger total recall i know it's a little bit off but pretty much i love same. that book that's a that's a like the pretty much the same philosophy yes it is and you know he he can i love arnie i'm a big fan of arnie yeah and his whole thing about he didn't, he couldn't speak English very well. He didn't have a system, but he just kept practicing and practicing. And I think that for sure, um, I was very lucky that, you know, I was in an environment, as I said, with people who'd done it. And that's the other thing, listen to people who've done it, they'll tell you how to do it. And, you know, they just tell you, you know, that doesn't sound right. Or, you know, a good producer uh, in, in, in the proper TV world. And that's the other thing that's difficult for people who are just doing it by themselves. You, you've got no one to bounce off. You're just doing it and you're going, hopefully that's a podcast or that's a, you know, that's a right. nice video. But, um, you know, the, the, the proper old school way is you have someone who produces you or works with you to say, you could have said it better, you could have done it this way. And so for me, yes, it was lots of practice. It was people who 
really helped me by going, no, that was shit, <laughs> do it again. And you don't want to do it again, but you've got to do it again and do it again. Um, not being uh, afraid to do it in public and failing constantly. So, you know, doing pieces of the camera around a crowd and just get it wrong and get it wrong. And people are taking the piss and whatever. <laughs> um, and, and I think the other thing was that um, the, the more you found yourself feeling comfortable with the act of, act of presenting, the easier it becomes. And, and that does take time. Right. It's uh, it, There's got to be some parallel with um, the first rule of acting where you uh, forget how to act. <laughs> you uh you you are a performer on camera yeah. because you mm. kind of are a performer yes no, no, and I, I would say there's an element of that which is you know um i was very shy when i was younger and but when i had a camera with me a cameraman or a microphone in my hand i suddenly had you know <laughs> the biggest ball biggest balls going you can just go and ask it it's the weirdest thing imagine stopping people on the street and then asking very intimate questions or speaking to a complete stranger and asking them to open up. It's not right. It's not normal, right? You get to yeah. know people. You go, hello, mate, what have you been doing? Whatever. You know, you don't go, can you tell me about the last time you had sex? Right? Yes. You know, how are you dealing with the loss of this? You know, you invested money in this. How did that feel when it went like? Yeah, these are so difficult things to ask people. And uh, I think that idea of, well, you call it a mask or a kind of, not a veneer, but... You, you just almost, like you said, get into a character. You kind of have to, because this is the one tip I would say. It is your job not to be the star. It is your job to get the best out of the person you're interviewing. That is your job as a host or a presenter or a journalist full stop. So, so it's about that person telling what they need to tell, not you, you know, go, hey, look at me, here I am. I watch... Um... Uh, a lot of these prank videos and uh, some oh, yeah. of them just get get completely ridiculous. And I'm actually certain I'm with you on the fact that if it wasn't for the prank, like somebody would have called, I don't know, like police or something. And those people would have been like completely look completely insane, especially when they do like girls pick up and all of those things. Like the yeah. only reason they get they, they actually probably do it is because actually, you know, this was just, hey, there's a camera, there's a guy like 500 meters away. Yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's you know, I don't really consider what we do, or what I do, I can't remember what you do, but I don't consider it acting, I don't consider it show business, but there is an element of, you know, you've got to be engaging, that's what you need to do, you need to engage the audience, and if you don't engage the audience, then what's the point? So, there are elements of that, that, you know, you do some stuff, and there are certain tricks you do, and whatever that you learn over the years. But, you know, in essence, all you're really doing is asking someone to tell you a story. And if you keep bringing back that central thing is, I'm a storyteller, that's really all you've got to do. Yeah. And just have some techniques to kind of guide the, guide the listeners yeah. and the person, because there's multiple ways to ask the same question. Yeah. Get a very different absolutely. answer. But you've got to listen. You know, you've got to listen. And also you've got to win that person's trust. So that's why before the camera rolls or before you start recording, the chat you have, all of those things, um, you know, politicians, those people who are professionals, you don't have to worry about. But the real people that I've always found the most interesting are just normal right. human beings, the public. And, you know, they will not tell you something unless they feel that they, they want to trust you. And that should be your job to try and win that trust so that you can tell their story better. 
What do you feel, uh, Samit, what do you feel for folks who are actually working on being on camera, hosting or reporting to not do, to completely put it in a trash can from the activity perspective, whether they how, think how this is helpful. Yeah, well, so maybe they're, they are trying to copy someone's style or they right. are doing these crazy courses on acting yeah. or like, what are some of the things that you think that are completely the wrong way? Like you don't even need to worry about that. I mean, it all comes back to what you want to do, Sergey. right? If you want to be famous, then do all that. Well, right. frankly, I mean, you know, I, I just think it's pointless. If you really want to be a journalist, if that's what you want to be, or you want to be a radio host, or you want to do it, then nothing beats the old school way, which is, you know, go and find a local hospital radio we have here. You probably have citizens radio that you've got or kind of you know, public access TV. Go and work as a volunteer, go and learn those things. Try and get yourself submitting stories to newspapers or mm -hmm. to, to TV. And then you learn that way. In terms of kind of, you know, you see, I, I feel it very, I don't know how to say this, but I just, I feel that there's a lot of people who exploit people exploit their dreams by going hey here's a course on how to be a presenter and all that that's fine but do you really want to be a presenter what do you want to present yeah you know and and unless you have that in your mind that this is what you really want you know it, it does it's it's a pointless thing it's like oh, me oh, trying oh. to learn to be a lumberjack right. you know <laughs> i could watch i like watching videos of people chopping down trees but i, I can't do it you know and someone yeah. say, hey go on this course you'll be a lumberjack when the hell am i going to do it you know <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what it is for me. And, and I would never consider my like that I want to be like a, a journalist or a host. I, I just don't think that way. Like for me and what it is, and the reason I run a YouTube channel is, is there are stories that are so important for me that I really want to share. And mm -hmm. I, I really want to do that. Like there are stories that are so key that I can't have a good night's sleep. Like I need to, I'm, it's on my mind. Like I need to, I need to, like there's a lot of these interesting facts and story about Bill Gates' focus, story about uh, Formula One team principles, how they've done it, how they, how, what was their mindset. And, and I don't know what to call this, but I really want to tell that. Like it's, it's, it's super key. So I, I guess, so like the terminology, I don't know what, you know, what, what's the label for that, but that's kind of uh, where, where like at least I come from. Yeah, it's, it's tell a story, nothing wrong with that. And that's, you know, that's what it is. You know, why did I want to be a reporter? Because I just, I thought I could write. I thought I liked to tell stories and I thought it was a good medium to do it. I don't think, I, I they always say there's a book in you. Maybe there will be, maybe I'll write <laughs> a book. But, but you know, I, for me, I just like the idea of telling what you're saying to me, you know, tell a story. And even today, you know, you know what we do at futurenetzero.com and Energy Lab News is we tell stories about the energy sector. We tell stories about net zero, climate change, but we're just telling stories. It's just the same thing as when you were a child and you were like once upon a time, it's just slightly different. Um, but if you don't have the desire to tell the story, then don't do it. You know, that's right. where, you know, you talk about the people doing the courses. Do they really want to be journalists or presenters? It's just, I meet so many people who've done so many courses. I'm like, why? <laughs> I can speak Mandarin. Have you ever been? No, I can't. <laughs> well, you know, it's it sounded a, good. It's a great business model. 
can it be done. <laughs> I should start it. Do you know what? That's what you're right. I should follow this. I, after this, I'm going to launch the Sumit Bose, uh, you know, presenter school online. There you go. You're, you're 49.99 an episode. You should, always say, you should always say BBC there. Just snuck it in. I say BBC, of course. Just stick it in. Yeah. <laughs> but 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 but, <laughs> but I was going to ask you. You went more um, independent way to yeah. be a founder, a co-founder. Yeah. Why is this the uh, politics? Was your yeah, yeah. I, do, I, I, you know, I, I, um, I think oh, it's very interesting. I had joined the BBC at the age of twenty-four, and I left at the age of. 36 almost 37 and I knew when I got to about 35 that if I didn't leave soon I would never leave and that's not like kind of the, you know it's like the Hotel California if you check out you can never leave I think people get very comfortable in big media organizations same as any job right and you can find yourself becoming very cynical very staid and there was a little problem a lot of problems at the BBC where there's too much politics which I cannot stand you know too much sucking up for boss, which is just bullshit in my mind. Uh, you know, you don't get, you know, the chance that someone else does. Who's you know, all of that? I cannot stand. I've always been, you know, if you did the job, you should get ahead and equitable, uh, which is the hardest thing to have in life is to have to give people equal opportunities. But for me, I think the thing was I couldn't stand my boss. So if you got no respect for your boss, don't moan, get out. Uh, I thought that there was too much politics, which I couldn't handle. So I thought, I'm turning into one of these people. Uh, you'd call it a jerk off, but we'd call it a wanker, who moans, <laughs> right. says everything's terrible, but does nothing about it. So oh, a bit so like you're kind of, you know, yeah, yeah, that's the ceremony. So I just thought, you know, one day I woke up and it is like that. People say, I've read a book about change. It's like people who want to go get fit or whatever. And they plan for ages. And just die. It doesn't happen. Like that. It's that one moment like that. And I just woke up one day, I said, that's it, I'm resigning. So I just wrote my letter of resignation that morning. Was and there a trigger? Day. Was there something that was the no, last I just, I just think it just, it, it just happened. I just kind of had that moment where I thought, if I don't go now, I'll never go. And I also thought about, you know, determinism, it's my own future. If I fail, it's my fault. What I don't want to be is in a place where my future is governed by what other people think of me. And that that political side so that's why i left and that's why i went independent and that's why i could never work for anyone as you can clearly tell it would be yeah, I could. no one that would no one would be my boss it, it wouldn't happen <laughs> that's i mean so true so me final message for the audience somebody who maybe has taken too many courses uh i mean of course joking <laughs> so, somebody who's who wants to be in the in, um, unless they're subscribing to you so again, of course, then that's the right thing they're doing. Yes, yes, that's right. But somebody who wants to be in journalism for the right reasons or in telling stories for the right reasons, maybe we'll call it this way. Um, any any final messages you'd like to leave them with? I, I, I would say that, you know, and again, obviously I would say this, but I would say try and, you know, join a proper news organization, you know, try and, try and do that and try and, you know, write stories, write to your local paper. You're, there are so many online platforms, like we are there, there's so many platforms that people can write to. And things are tough right now. We know globally it's a, you know, recession after the pandemic, but, you know, we'll always have news. Um, and, you know, but you can also write things and publish them yourself. You know, things like you said, things you find interesting. LinkedIn is a great place to do it. You know, Twitter, I'm not that keen on, but I think right. with LinkedIn, you can link to a longer article and a longer piece. Um, you know, 
but it's really about for me if you really want to do it as a profession if you want to do it as a job properly then you kind of need to go and join an organization even if it's for a couple of years you know you have to join a, a local paper or a local radio station or a, a news platform and learn from sort of journalists and do it that way i'm not saying you can't do it your own way and i'm sure there's plenty of people who are right. much more successful than i'll ever be who have you know done it all their own way but i still kind of think getting trained by people who've who've done it for longer is always the best way totally well Sumit, this was a pleasure uh thank you for oh, sharing your pleasure. thoughts i love love that conversation that was that was awesome That's, no it's very kind of you and can i just give a little plug if you're interested in energy news yeah so energylivenews.com futurenetzero.com come and have a look at us come and join us and if you're interested in news around environment and climate change which we wouldn't be that's the place to be. I'll be